Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Hello, you lovely lot. I think yet again, we're in for a treat. I have the wonderful Hayley here. um, And we are going to discuss, well, wait for it, how self-knowledge is your superpower. And for some people, that'll be, oh my gosh, that sounds quite interesting. And others will be putting their fingers in their ears going, la, 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 I don't really want to know about me. But it's important. Anyway, let me just introduce you. Haley T. Wheeler is the original emotion-mind connection therapist, an accidental author, and a motivational speaker. Now, since getting to the other side of depression, Haley has helped hundreds of adults, children and families improve their mental health with her Emotional Mind Dynamic program. Haley's passion is to help, basically, to help adults, children and families understand how emotions impact their choices and in order for them to gain back the control and happiness. Her mission is to empower people to develop their superpower, self-knowledge, their personal experience, her, her personal experience and that of her clients tells her that self-informed people make better life, relationship, financial, business and family decisions. We, spend, we send children off to school, college and university to learn the professional skills to be pro- a productive member of society. But no one teaches, us how, t- teaches them how to be them. Haley's mission is to promote the power of self-knowledge and to improve emotional and mental health. My love, thank you so much for joining us today. It's, I'm thrilled to see you. You're very welcome. I'm, I'm so glad to be here. It's well. Let, let's just dive in because I think the thing you know, we, the majority of the people listening to this are um, parents, and let's face it, mums. Um, though sometimes they, I do get sort of feedbacks or saying, oh, my gosh, I just let my child listen to this because it's so empowering. But you say here that it's your mission to pr- promote the power of self-knowledge. That's great for us parents to um, encourage our kids to do that. But many of us don't even know how to do it ourselves. So what, what the heck do we do then? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? As, as you just said in the intro now, I, I, I firmly believe we send children off to school, then they go college, then they might go to university and then they go off into the world to be happy and to be, to live life. But nobody actually tells them what that means. Yeah. So it's really about taking the time to understand what everything means to you because there is no one definition of happiness. And I think people are, and the assumption that happiness is a specific thing, but actually it's completely unique to you and, and to your family and to the dynamics of your family. But we don't spend that time, money, or we don't invest in learning about ourselves. And, and, I, and I like the fact that you said some people will be sticking their fingers in their ears because they don't want to know about themselves. But you are the only person who is going to be in your life from the start to the finish you will go through everything with yourself. Yeah. And yet, unlike our cars and our houses, we don't keep up to date with who we are and what we're doing, what we like, what we want to do with our lives. We just trundle on. And I think the thing is, for mums, in you know, specifically, um, we tend to forget that we're allowed to do this because we are we suddenly sort of many of us take on this persona of being a parent and now it's my job to launch my child into society or whatever it is um and so we forget that we need to and 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 
in fairness, probably haven't sort of didn't even know that we should sort of investigate who we were. But that's that's a bit scary because um, I mean, I, I've only just recently been doing it. And and I, I tell you, when you do start sort of scratching the surface and finding out what makes you tick and what you're allowed to do and what you should be doing or what you could be doing and and who is behind that sort of veneer. It it can be quite soul searching, can't it? I mean, I remember lots of snot and tears when I was sort of working out who I was because, you know, we start uncovering a lot of stuff. But those those are the things that we need to know about ourselves. You know, to be a well oiled machine, you have to know all the components. So why do we not do that as part of not necessarily formal education? But why are we not teaching people about their personality, about their likes, their dislikes and who they are individually, who they are as a collective, who they are as part of that family? We just don't seem to do it. And yet I, I don't understand why we don't do it. Knowing now the importance of learning about how I work, I just truly don't understand why it's not part of what we do as a society rather than individuals doing it. Okay, so if if we're not, let's not put it as the responsibility of schools to do this because they've got enough on their plate, and and you know it's it's sort of um, that, that that's I, I'm going to just park that one. But okay, so if schools aren't going to do it, and it's up to us, how the heck do we do it? How do we know? How do we know what to say to our kids and what to our? I mean, you know, because I it's it's all right to be this or you know. Uh, how 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 can we guide our kids? Because, you know, as I just sort of said, when I did it, it was a bit of a soul-searching exercise, probably because it was long overdue and I was sort of, you know, uncovering a lot of rubbish. If we do it when the kids are young, it's sort of part and parcel of how they grow up and they just get to know themselves. And it's just, it's a bit, it's really self-acceptance, isn't it? So it's an easier job for kids to do than it is for adults to do. But how do we guide them into doing it if we've never blimmin' done it ourselves? It's about taking the time to want to learn to do it, to, to understand how you work. It is, it is an investment. It, it, it takes commitment, it takes dedication, and it takes time. And we're not always going to find out things that we like about ourselves, but actually that's okay. So it's about accepting not only that we're going to find out the good things, we might find out things that we don't like, but until we know those things, we're not going to be able to change anything. So you may you may find, you may be very lucky, and you may find you don't need to change anything, and that's fine. But people are afraid, so it's overcoming the fear of investing in themselves and going, okay, what do I like? What do I dislike? And I, I used to run courses many years ago, and, and we used to go down as basic as what's my favourite food, what's my favourite colour? Because as mums, as you rightly said, we step into this role, and the more children you've got, the less time you have to, for yourself. And we don't even know that we're allowed to, to be a mum, a, um, a wife, a partner, and, and, not but, <laughs> and ourselves we can be all those things but we also need ourselves we need to nourish ourselves we need to give ourselves time but who tells you that that's allowed yeah you're quite right and and I think the thing is is that our kids um I mean I always say this our kids learn by our example by rather than by what we tell them to do I mean you know kids especially when they start becoming teenagers do not really like being told what to do but if they are um witnessing our own self expression or our own um you know uh, our own journey into sort of self awareness then i guess that they can follow suit by by sort of default they start mirroring that behavior don't they yeah and if you start asking the right questions as well we 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 have a I think we just have a, a list, a, a standard list of questions we ask. Are you okay? What, what went on in school today? What was your day like? But actually, as you start to ask different questions, that's when you start allowing yourself and your children to uncover things about themselves because now they start thinking in a very different way. And, I, and I'm part of a group on Facebook of, of, for parents and they're often asking other parents for advice but they never ask their children. So they're looking for the information and the answers elsewhere. When you could, if it was the right question, you could ask your child and they'll come up with the answer. 
my youngest client is six and they get the process that I take them to, they get it so, so quickly only because we're giving them the right questions, the right information. We're giving them an opportunity to explore the things that they don't understand. So even by asking yourselves as, as, as adults, instead of going, what the heck is wrong with me? Why can't I get out of this? Okay, what do I need to do today to make me feel happier? Or So the question is, is it's more or less the same, but in a, put in a different way, you are searching for a different answer in a different way. So it's it's changing that narrative in our head, isn't it? And it's yeah. it's it's allowing ourselves the opportunity to explore a bit more. I mean, you said that your youngest client is six and they got your process. So lead me through your process. Give us a little shine a light on what you do. Well, the process is all about the emotional vessel and emptying the emotional vessel. So it's it's allowing somebody to understand what has happened in their life and what the emotional impact has been to their emotional vessel. So by understanding that, and again, giving somebody the space, the safe space to be able to explore that, because we make a lot of assumptions about people. We may say that a person has maybe lost somebody to cancer. We make a lot of assumptions about how they might be feeling or they should be feeling. But actually, until you ask that person, which we don't do, until you ask that person to describe and allow them to explore what the emotional impact has been, all they are assumptions. And if we're treating somebody in a way that's based on our assumptions, we're often doing it not necessarily wrong, but we're not giving them what they need. You, you are so right. It, you, just by saying that, you remind me of um, when I was a newly fledged volunteer at Childline and um, it must have been my second week or something. And I got a little caller and I think they were about seven or eight and they just sort of very quiet at the end of the phone and just went, my nan died last week. And I went, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. You must be very upset. And they just went, no, I hated her. And I suddenly thought, flip me. Yeah, come on. You know, you cannot make the assumptions. And I think that's what we do as parents, isn't it? Is that we assume we know best. We assume we know what our kids are feeling. We assume we know that, you know, what what upsets them. And actually, we need to sort of wind it back a tiny bit. And as you say, ask the right questions. And and I mean, as I don't know if you've heard it, but, you know, um, assuming anything makes an ass of you and me, you and me we need to allow people to tell us what's going on in their world rather than assuming that we know best and assumptions again are they they're great if you have no information they're great to, to have a, a, a sort of a, a little bit of knowledge but if you start acting on those assumptions that's when we start making those mistakes with people you know and and I, I just love to see people when they start to understand all this, even those things like it's OK to dislike somebody after they died because we've got a tendency to put them on a pedestal. Yeah. But actually, it's fine. If you didn't like them when they were alive, there's no need to like them when they're dead. And that can be quite depression because everybody else is going, oh, they were a wonderful person and they were this, that. And then you've got this person, could be a child, could be an adult who thinks... I really disliked them. They weren't very nice to me. I had no respect for them. So you don't really process your emotions in the same way as somebody who is, possibly the ones that put them on a pedestal don't don't really process their emotions either. But until you're realistic about things and and you're, you're given the opportunity to be honest with yourself, because that's the most important thing, being honest with yourself, that something has hurt you so badly and you've never dealt with that, you've never expressed it, you've never processed it. But giving somebody the opportunity to do that, to process it, to be honest, to to let it go, so empowering and therein lies your self-knowledge. And I suppose, now, is it sort of fair that, is it, I'm making an assumption, but I'm hazarding a guess that my emotional vessel is going to be a hell of a lot fuller than a six-year-old's. Is that fair? Not necessarily. Oh, okay. Right. Oh, not necessarily fuller, bigger or smaller. And that really isn't necessarily always the case either. You know, what we what we know about children is they've 
more than likely been through less than adults, but that does not mean that their emotional vessel is is emptier or fuller than anybody else's. Okay. Because everything is so unique. This is the self-knowledge again. Everything is so unique to us. You may have three people who go through exactly the same car accident, the same time they were in the car, they left the same pub, the three of them will not process that the same way. They won't even remember the same things. And emotionally, they won't be affected in the same way. And a child is no different. You know, if you think about children, they go to school as parents. We might not know that they've been bullied or they've had a falling out of their friends. And they don't talk about it. That's in their emotional vessel. So that kind of fills up. So they may have a smaller vessel, but it may well just be as full as your vessel. Okay. So how... Do we make it okay to discuss the things that are in there? Or or maybe do we need to discuss them? Or how do we address them? What do we do to, now we know that we've got this blimmin' emotional vessel, what do we do with it? And how do we make it or deal with it to the best of our ability? It's about allowing the child or the, or the adult to understand what's filled that emotional vessel and giving them the, sp- the safe space to, to be honest about it. Again, you may have, it's quite, it can be quite difficult in families to do this because you may have a, a parent who's lost their parent and the child who's lost a grandparent, but the child and the parent may not have had the same relationship with them. Yeah, yeah. So the pain may well be worse for maybe mum who's lost a, a grandparent, her mum, but the child may think, I didn't particularly get on with that with my grandmother. So I, my pain isn't the same. So getting a child to, to be honest about that would be, could be quite difficult. But it's about being open to all emotions being different, regardless of whether we've gone through the same thing. And and actually, that, that's really useful because um, I, I actually, when you sort of say that, it sort of reminded me of a call I had yesterday with a client of mine who is saying, I, the mum, was saying, I have such a broken relationship with my own mum. It's ridiculous. I, I, I am not, um, I, I'm not in contact because whenever I am, it's really, really toxic. She said, and yet my daughter wants to see her nan. My daughter wants to see her granny and have this relationship. And 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 there's the sort of, you know, so it doesn't matter if the person's alive or dead. It's still the, sort of the same issues, isn't it? Is how do we as parents support our kids if it's going against every fiber of our being or if it's not you know what our what our kids emotional needs are might be very very different to ours and that's a bit of a wrestle as well isn't it it is but i think the biggest thing that we really fall down on honesty and i know so many people who will say i'm an honest person and i'll say it straight but actually there's so many things they, they're unaware of around themselves and their emotions and, and other things that they aren't as honest as they think. So I, I was in a similar situation, or well, I still am really. I, I, I don't have a relationship with my in-laws, neither does my husband, but my children, I always said with my children, if ever they asked to see them, I would swallow my pride it's and I would take hard. them. It would have been really hard um, but actually, they never did, and and they ne- but I and I was always prepared. You know, they didn't really ask about them until they were older, and I was completely honest with them. I said how I felt, but but you are more than welcome. I will take you myself. And they never wanted to go. They never sort of they they were just intrigued as to why they didn't have these two sets of grandparents like everybody else. And I just, I was honest, and you have, and and I think it's about depending on what you think the impact might be on you and your child as to whether you make that decision, whichever way it goes. But it's also considering what the repercussions are if you if you don't at least offer your child that opportunity. You know, that's, that's the difficulty. We often, as parents, don't know what we've done wrong until children are adults. Yes, exactly. exactly. And, that is that we do not have a crystal ball. We're never ever going to know that. Really, we're always going to do as what we know at the time to do well. And you have to be intuitive and, and understand what would happen if I make this decision. What are the repercussions? What are the consequences? What are the benefits? Also, 
if I make this decision, what are the benefits, what are the consequences, what are the repercussions? And it's really about risk assessing. And, and, you know, it's quite a formal term, isn't it? We don't risk assess family. Yeah. Actually, we do need to risk assess what's going to happen to me if I put myself in that position. What will happen to my daughter if I put them in that position? So it really is about having open and honest conversations. And we are not always good at that emotional, honest level. No, we're not, unless we've sort of you know, we've sort of dealt with our own emotional baggage. Um, And then it makes that a tiny bit easier, doesn't it? Because we are um, less secretive, more open to, um, one hopes make wiser choices. But, you know, if we haven't dealt with our emotional baggage, there is that reluctance to open Pandora's box, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And and there there is a big impact, you know, there's a lot to be said about things being passed down through generation, not just what children are seeing, but historical things, genetic things like low self-esteem, like grief, even being passed down through generations. And we do it, it's of great benefit to be dealing with the emotions we understand and that we know about. But what we've got a tendency to, to do in our society is push them into our emotional vessel. We push them down, we hide them, we suppress them. And that doesn't allow us to process and and put ourselves in a position where we're making decisions on reality rather than emotional fuel. So as parents, what do we do with our kids then? How do we encourage them to open up um, without imposing our own bias? How do we encourage them to be open to tell us what's going on to tell us their feelings because I think to begin with there's that worry about judgment or what if I say this mum will think badly of me so how do we well what questions can we ask our kids that sort of open up that dialogue and that all depends on your relationship with your child and how old the child is but the earlier we start with those questions whether it's whether it's it's creating an environment at home so that we are open, that we have times when we talk about certain things or we, we can do it any time. But it's asking, it's getting children used to, to answering those questions as well. You know, it, it's, it's you can't just all of a sudden start asking questions when you've never asked a question before now. But it, it's it's starting off gently with questions. How, are you, how was your day? And how do you think about this and and allowing them to offer an opinion that we res- that we show respect to even if we don't agree with it so it's it's a, you have to as a parent i suppose to to open those discussions be open to hearing anything whether you agree or disagree and then being able to debate discuss without allowing those emotions to come through and that's that's a a skill to learn yeah I I think the thing is, is that we, you know, because I sort of, um, in my book, I sort of talk about emotional, uh, sort of unconditional and conditional love. And, um, you know, sort of many parents go, well, don't be silly. Of course, I love my child unconditionally. But the thing is, is does your child know that? Because I think they are, you know, one mum was saying to me just earlier, um, why is my child lying? I mean, literal barefaced lies. And I'm just saying, because they don't want to disappoint you. And the thing is, and she said, well, I, I, I need to, you know, I need to know the truth. I said, yeah, but sometimes the truth hurts. And they worry about upsetting you. And so therefore, hence the dialogue from some kids can be a bit skewed because they're sort of probably saying what they want, they think that we need to hear. Would that be fair? I think so. And, and don't forget that children are only really going to do what they see so, for example, my daughter said to me a couple of a couple of months ago, "When you're talking to somebody you don't like, it's all over your face." She said, "I can't." <laughs> she said, "I don't understand why other people can't see it," and she's the same. If she doesn't like you as a person, it shows. So she's she's doing what I'm doing. So if parents are hiding things or not not necessarily lying, but not being completely honest and, and again, trying to keep everything on par and balanced, then 
essentially possibly the child is doing the same thing. We just don't really recognize it in ourselves. Whereas when you have honest conversations and honest and open conversations and, you know, allow everybody's opinion to come through and everybody's opinion to be valid, regardless of whether you agree with it or not, that changes the dynamics. That that I think that starts to create a really safe, emotionally safe environment. I think that's what we have to do. You know, it's have to listen to me. I I think that's what where we benefit is when our kids feel that home is the sanctuary, home is the safe place, home is where they feel okay, unconditionally loved. One hopes that that they feel that, but where they are allowed to, as you you said earlier, debate what's going on and maybe just verbalize what's going in going on in their heads, because sometimes. It's only when you start talking, you know, so many times you hear someone sort of say, no, just let me get this out. I want to see how it sounds because we sort of have stuff whirling around in our heads. And it's only when we start trying to communicate that it actually starts making sense or not to ourselves anyway, doesn't it? Yeah, and that's a wonderful process, isn't it? To to allow those words out because they they just they become something different in our yes. heads, or they can. They ha- it has the potential to make it something different. So being able to verbalise or being able to have that person that you can verbalise that to and be able to say, oh, my gosh, I just heard it for the first time, and I know I realise now what it means. Yes. And now it doesn't. It, it's not as bad or it's not as good as I thought it was in my head. Yeah. But having that... Dem- we talk a lot about physical safety. So we talk, you know, we... We talk about keeping people safe physically and how to look after yourself and personal space. We need the same kind of boundaries within the emotional space as well. We need to have that emotional safety, which a lot of people don't understand that actually by setting boundaries with children, you are creating an emotionally safe space. A lot of parents find boundaries really difficult and they they see them as a punishment rather than a cocoon. A cocoon which children grow and and they become flexible and they can move. But if you give them boundaries, you're starting that safe emotional space where people can, where children can go, actually, I know what I can do and what I can't do here. They may push the boundaries, that's fine. But I also know that I'm safe within those boundaries. I had a child tell her mum that because she didn't set boundaries, she didn't feel loved Mum never brought her back. She never. She did. I don't think she handled that very well. In in that, she couldn't at the time set boundaries. She didn't feel that she was able to do that. But listening to a child who was eleven say that I don't feel loved because I you don't you don't show me where I'm supposed to go and what I'm supposed to do. It was. It must have been hard to hear. But that is out of the mouth of babes. And, and you're quite right. But I think I think the thing is with, and I know that I am guilty of this, is that um, we are shaped by our own childhood and negatively and positively. So, I mean, I look at sort of the way I was sort of, um, you know, parented. And and there are some things that I, well, there's no way I'm doing that. And there's, you know, and, and, and so we are shaped by our own upbringing. So... I don't even know this the situation that you've just sort of stated, but maybe that mum had 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 very strict parents, and maybe she sort of felt suffocated or unloved because they were so strict, and now she vowed she'd go the other way. And I think it's this is why it's really tricky for parents, isn't it? Is the fact that we are only sort of we are dealing with our own experiences, but it's a very different situation now that, that families are, are sort of you know growing up in. So sometimes we feel a bit rudderless, a bit confused as to what's the right thing and what's not the right thing to do. And is this boundary too much or is this boundary too little or have I got it right? Who do I turn to? And, and where's, the, where's the guidance? Where's the advice? I agree. I, I think, it. you know, each child is so very different, even in the, I've got four children myself and they're all very different. And you, each time a baby comes, you're having to adapt and learn again because they are so different. But I, I, th- I do think that we do a lot of postnatal stuff and, and prenatal stuff and 
but none of it is really, we don't have a standardised parenting support scheme, if that makes sense. Correct. We do have parents who have absolutely no idea how to parent because of the lack of their parenting. But then the system then sets them up to fail because nobody's there to support them. They show you how to breathe through labour. They show you maybe how to breastfeed. But that is not, that's not parenting in a a nutshell. Parenting is so wide. And then we are expected to be perfect. We're expected to work. We're expected to parent. We're expected to be perfect parents. We're expected to never make mistakes. But actually, as I said earlier, we will not know what we've done right or wrong until our children are adults. Yeah. And, and we can just do the, our best. And if we want to learn how to do something differently, we have to find those resources to help us understand our family dynamics. You know, I will never, ever tell somebody how to parent their child. It's always about understanding what who do you want to be as a parent who do you want your child to be what are your children like now what personalities do they have and how do we guide them to be that adult you want them to be and you kind of work backwards really yeah. you know I want them to be this adult who's productive happy so we have to then work backwards and say okay what do we do at each stage of their life and and how do we parent but again if you've never had parenting good parenting or role modeling how do you do that without that support so it's about finding the right support I I think it's not easy to come by unfortunately and and hence your program um because you help people do all of this stuff is that correct yeah we do a mix of everything it's it's very it's unique in in the way that it's delivered because it it covers relationships parenting but the baseline is the emotional stuff, you know, that that kind of is where people tend to get stuck. It's not necessarily the practicalities, yes, it's yes. the emotional stuff that as a society, we don't want to deal with it. And it's it's not just the emotional stuff, it's the communication of that emotional stuff, isn't it? It, it is, um, you know, because... I, I I remember, um, you know, sort of one mum sort of saying to me, she said, I'm at the end of my tether. And she, she said, I screeched at my kids and I just burst into tears. Ergo, I'm the worst mum in the world. And I went, well, actually, no. Um, you know, maybe sort of, you know, sort of sobbing over your cornflakes on a daily basis is not going to be um, conducive to a sort of happy, stable sort of family. But showing your kids that you have emotions, showing your kids that you have needs and communicating to them that mum's had a wobble, but it's okay because we are dealing with this and this is what's going on. And this is what, you know, I think the thing is, is when we keep our kids in the dark, that's a bit of a problem in itself, is it not? But we keep ourselves in the dark. <laughs> yes, you're quite right. <laughs> you're quite, yeah, there, yes, there go the fingers and the ears, isn't it? <laughs> la, 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 la. Yeah. But it is, we, we don't, we don't know how, therefore we don't want to do. And, and that, that's with everything, you know, going somewhere new in a course and, and you don't know how to do it, you, it's hard. And this is where the self-knowledge, if we, if we were to teach people about themselves as children and, and into adulthood, their possibilities are endless. They become limitless. And I'm not saying they're never going to make a mistake because life is, is, about making mistakes because that's where we learn more than when we're successful but it's about being as happy as we can be doing the things in the way that we want to do them there's a lot of pressure to do things in the way that other people do them yeah and the comparison now with social media and you know perfection portrayed on social media and I try and tell people a picture is a millisecond you can smile, everybody can smile for a millisecond. Yeah. But we have to be honest with ourselves that, do you know what? This is the kind of family I want. I don't even want to be like that. I'm trying to be like that and I don't want to be like that. So what do you want to be like? What do you want your family to be like? Do you want to be happy? Do you want to, is excitement something that you want to be bringing into your family? Is it that you just like to plod along? And there is no right or wrong answer, but people assume there is a right or wrong way yeah. to do this. I mean, there are better ways, there are, there are worse ways, I get that, but there's nobody can tell you 
how to do what you want to do. But we are waiting. A lot of people are just waiting for somebody to do that. And I, I, I think that's that's so important is the fact that, you know, I sort of say to a lot of my clients is, you know, let's just wind it back and let's just put it down to self-care. What is it that you are grateful for? What is it that makes you tick? What is it that brings you joy? Because it's those things. It's those things that um, keep you on the even keel. It's those things that help you when you're wobbling. Um, and you're quite right. It's doing stuff that suits you rather than what the shoulds, rather than what you feel you should be doing. Um, and and one chap I follow on Instagram had a, a big notice on his page, this, on his grid this morning saying, I'm pulling out of social media for a while. And he sort of said, does social media help my business? And he went, yeah, but it's not helping me at the minute. And that's brave, isn't it? And it's an acknowledging, as you sort of say, we need to acknowledge our own emotions and, and what is, you know, it's it's all the, it's that softer stuff rather than the, the practicalities of family life. It's what's keeping us all together, what's keeping us talking to one another, what are the fun bits and it's it's navigating those and finding out what they are because as you say we keep ourselves in the dark. We do, and, and I, I was listening to the radio for I think it was on Sunday about happiness. They were talking about the, the slot on happiness, and there was all these professors claiming to define happiness. Happiness is yours to define. Don't let some professor tell you what happiness is. But equally, what life is like is yours to define. Yeah. What every day, what you want every day to be like is yours to define. And this is this is taking our power back. This is us going, okay, I get that Monday to Friday we might be really busy with school, work and, and extracurricular stuff. We might have to do some sports on a Saturday, but what do I want my Saturday afternoon and my Sundays to be like? What do I want my children to remember? What kind of memories do I want them to have? What kind of relationship do I want with them? And we do what? In, in our uniqueness, in our, in our individual families and individuality in ourselves, we do get to define that when we know how. So there are lots of, especially at the minute, because we're all sort of coming out of lockdown and, and, and that's causing its own sort of woulds, shoulds and, and, and anxieties. When we're wobbling, when we hit the, when we're, when we're sort of, you know, spiraling downwards and we're going, I know I should be doing this, but I don't have the bandwidth. There are so many mums I'm speaking to at the minute just sort of going, I, I just, I'm spiraling here and I need someone to put the brakes on for me. What do we do? How do we stop that emotional sort of rubbish, that turmoil for us and so that we can get back on an even keel so we can go, all right, now here are the questions I need to get back to. How do we stop ourselves struggling that much? So this is where we have to stop because what we've got a tendency to do is be busy. Yes. And we'd be busy, 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 busy. And we've never got time yes. to do the work that we need to do. So, so it is about taking time out and saying, right, I'm, I'm really, I'm taking time out. I want to assess what's going on. And, and one of the things, this is a really, it's not, it sounds easy, but I, I, I know how difficult it can be. But this is where we get to say, right, I'm taking a step back. I'm, I'm going to listen, I'm going to watch, and I'm going to observe to understand what is actually going on. Because we tend to live, there's reality and there's truth. So we tend to live in our truths, which isn't necessarily reality. So we live in this, what we think is going on, and we react to what we think is going on. So I, I say to people, take a step back, listen, watch, and observe what's going on. Because what they're missing by being so busy are all the little bits that will help them get back on that even keel. So when they take that time out, they're no longer reacting emotionally because they, they, they've consciously said, I'm, I'm taking time out. So their reactions are different, but they're also then watching how other people are interacting you know, within the family, how they're all interacting and what spikes this and what triggers that and then you start to see the reality a little bit clearer. So you come out of your truth. You know, there's, there's elements of reality in your truth. Yeah. But you think how much we make up in our heads. Yeah. 
So when you start to take that time away and just, you know, you're not even physically removing yourself, you're just emotionally removing yourself and taking that time out, then there has to come that self-care. You have to find that time to self-care, whatever that means to each individual person, whether it's 10 minutes of completely turning everything off and, and putting yourself in a, in a in the bath for 10 minutes or in a room or getting up a little bit earlier so you have that space um, or going to bed a little bit later so you have that space. But etching out that time to do that, what whatever that may be. One lady I supported, her self-care, she didn't have a lot of money, her self-care was a 25 pence um, sachet of hot chocolate on a Friday. Mm-hmm. So when her son went to bed, she had that time with that hot chocolate and that was herself. I got the, I got the shivers now because it, it just, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be expensive. It just has to be regular. And that, that says so much to the body, to the mind, doesn't it? 25p and it just says, you matter. It says, it's okay. It yes. says, please slow down. It, that is so powerful. and because. It's as you say, it is the little things, isn't it? It's the little things that we find the joy in, whether or not it's that or even just immersing yourself in a book or whatever. And I think when we start doing that, just pressing pause is so, as you say, we're far too busy with our fingers in our ears, pretending everything's absolutely fine. And actually spending 25p on pressing pause and saying just stop for a minute is actually exceptionally courageous isn't it for her it really was you know she she came from the gypsy community and her role in life was to put her son first yeah yeah she walked out of my of the class I was doing at the time and and because I'd said that we have to be a priority she walked out and I thought I was never going to see her again but you know I always leave people when I when I do interviews like this, and I, I always leave people with the thought that you are the most important person in your world. And I think this is pertinent now, regardless of how many different roles and responsibilities you've got in your life, you are the most important person in your world. And if you want to be the best version of yourself, you have to invest in yourself. Time does not have to mean money, but time to Okay, how am I feeling today? What is it that I that I want to do today? What do I want to achieve today? What what can I get done? And instead of of making those expectations so far out of reach that you know you're going to fail every day, bringing the expectations lower so that you can meet those expectations, and then when you're ready, you you higher the level again. You take it a level up. But the self sabotage of I've got to be doing a hundred things today. And if I don't achieve those hundred things today, I've, I've failed. Well, actually, in reality, you probably can only do three of those things. Exactly. So if you say, I'm going to do three things today and you get 10 done, wonderful. But if you get the three things done, great job. Yeah. And that, it's all these little things that are, are filling up our emotional vessel positively. Not with all the rubbish. Just allow, you know, I don't know whether or not you say it's filling it up with the good or or, or sort of, you know, reducing it from the bad. It, it doesn't really matter, does it? No. I, I guess it's just making sure that we are being the best person that we can be so that we can support our nearest and dearest. Well, if you've got that caring role as a, as a parent, you, you care for your children if you didn't put petrol in your car, yeah. if you didn't put oil in your car, it's not going anywhere. And we are the same. We need self-nurturing. We need time. We need to be allowed. We need to give ourselves permission to go, okay, I need a little bit of time today or I want to take 10 minutes every day to nurture myself. Standing grass, go to the beach or whatever that looks like for you. Again, there is no right or wrong. And, I, and I, I can't express that enough. When you are making decisions about your family and your health and, and your well-being, there is no real right or wrong. There's just what's right for you at the time. It is. It's just what works, isn't it? Yeah. So the question to the listeners today is, what's your 10 minutes of nurture? 
each day. What is it? Is it going to be a 25p sachet of hot chocolate? Is it going to be standing in the grass barefoot? Um, whatever. It's important, isn't it, um, Haley? that I think that we even however small those little pockets of joy are, it's how we build them into our day to fill up our emotional vessel. But if you think about your emotions being like a magnet, yes. this little bit of joy is going to bring a little bit more and then a little bit more. And if we can if we can look at filling the emotional vessel with the positive emotions and the, and the good emotions and the feel-good emotions, we can fill them up quite quickly. With the, more, the more we invest in good times and good memories and the things that we want to do, it fills up quite quickly. But we do have to empty the, the negatives out. We have to, to make room for them. Because yeah. there's not room. You, you can't have a full emotional vessel with negative emotions and, and squish. You don't want to be squishing in those positive emotions. You want, to, you want to have space, mind space and capacity to bring all those emotions in. So there's, there's a dual process there. But until you, you process your negative emotions... There's little room for the positive. And, and often that's why parents find it difficult to enjoy things. So when I had depression, I, I was functioning. I got up and I did it. And I took the kids to the park and I took them down to do pedal jumping. And I did all these things that I would have done normally. I just didn't find joy in them. I didn't want to do them. I just did them. Went emotions. Yeah. I did. And then when, when I empty the emotional vessel now I find joy I'm enjoying watching them laugh and talk with each other and scream and shout and fall out and I didn't at the time so the more space you've got for all those lovely emotions you you see more joy so how okay if I know all the 10 minute things that are going to bring me joy I know all these wonderful things that are going to be bring me joy so how do I get rid of the negative bits then how how do we how do we process the negatives you it's about allowing yourself to feel them because we fight against them it's about being honest with yourself that in order to there's there's sort of surface level work and there's deeper work Essentially, the surface level work is about recognising that certain things make you feel a certain way. And those are kind of your everyday emotions. And the more you express those as they happen or as close to the point at which they happen, the better. Um, But then it's about, okay, so this this particular situation made me feel a specific way. What am I going to do with that emotion? What do I need to do with it? Do I need to speak to somebody do I just need to write in a journal? Do I just need to put this somewhere and burn it after? The the main thing is getting it off your chest. It is, it's processing it, isn't it? As soon as it happens, rather than festering and blaming and getting cross. And as you say, as you said earlier, just squishing everything down. It's just being brave enough to look it in the eye and go, oh, well, I see you. And now we're going to deal with it. Yeah, and we fight. We spend so much time and energy fighting against feeling emotions when actually a lot of my understanding of my depression was it was it was emotion-based rather than the mental health side. It just affected the mental health. I was so full of negative emotions. They were so powerful as well, but powerful in the fact that I just I needed to keep them all together because if I, if I didn't or I felt like I did, and if I didn't keep them all together what would happen that was yeah. my risk what was going to happen and i just eventually pulled them out one at a time so this this event made me feel all of these things right. and i and i dealt with them and the processing i don't always do it well still because it's not a natural thing for me so i can still fester yeah and the minute i i offload I feel so much better, but I, I I can still fall into that trap of holding them in for too long. And I think that's the thing, whether it's fears, worries, anxieties or whatever, it's when you suddenly turn around instead of running away from it all and you turn around and stare it in the eye, it actually starts dissolving a bit anyway, doesn't it? Well, what we said already today twice, I think we've said that things in our minds feel so much worse than when they're out. Yeah. And often... Things there are powerful emotions like guilt and shame that are like snowballs that will constantly be gathering more and more steam and will get bigger and bigger and bigger. And those are often the ones that are really filling our emotional vessel. And those are the ones that are the deeper work that needs sort of doing on a longer term basis yeah. rather than sort of just 
facing them today. But if we can start processing what we're dealing with today, it gets easier to do the deep, the deeper work. Because yeah. if we can say, do you know what, that today really offended me or that you said today really upset me, then we're not holding it in. We're not putting out another emotion down there. We're being honest with somebody. Even if you, even if confronting somebody is not something you want to do, you still have an option to process those emotions. And, and most people will say, but I have to say it to them. You don't. It's never about the other person. It's always about you. The amount of letters I have written in my journal to other people. And when I've finished, I feel so much better. And they are none the wiser, which is a great relief half the time. But you're quite right. It's getting it out of our own system, isn't it? It is. And that's that's the key, really, is emptying that, is, is being able to learn that skill. My love, thank you. Thank you. This has been an absolute gem. And... Um, I can't wait for this uh, for, for for people to hear this because um, yeah we need to be a little bit bolder and a little bit braver because it allows for one hopes a slightly smoother journey. Agreed, and, and we need to be a little bit self kinder. You're quite right, Haley. Thank you so much indeed. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child. And we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.